Welcome to Rethink Retail, the show where we dive into the stories and strategies behind some of the most successful brands on the planet. From brick and mortar giants to e-commerce disruptors, we uncover the secrets to their success and deliver the keys to true retail transformation. So ask yourself, are you ready to rethink retail? The future of retail starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Rethink Podcast. I'm Christine Russo and a member of the Tri. Today, we welcome Leanne Grant, Chief Growth Officer for Babylist. Welcome, Leanne. So good to be here. Babylist is a very exciting company with a huge TikTok following, and we'll get into that. But first, let's hear about you. I understand you're a triathlete. Well, I would say I'm a maybe a retired triathlete, even though I was never professional. I grew up not being very like very active or sporty. And after college, got into endurance sports, and I did an Ironman, did a ton of mar- marathons and triathlons. That's great. I'm sure that gave you a lot of mental fortitude to be in the e-commerce space. And a lot of time to think about things, too. Yeah, so I would say that that's very helpful now that you're in this growth stage for Babylist. Do you want to tell us about Babylist? Yeah. So um, Babylist, we call it a digital destination for anyone with a growing family. So that means expecting parents, new parents, aunts, best friends, grandmas, mother-in-laws, all of those people. And the destination is primarily a place where people can build their baby lists, which is a registry or a a list of things that you want or you need for a baby. Um, But we also have a variety of different offerings on the platform. So we have a ton of content. We're a whole media site with videos and articles about like, what is your baby doing when they're six months old? What's going on with your body? What types of products do you need? And so we have a media site, we have a marketplace where you can buy from Amazon or eBay or Etsy or any site like that. Um, we have our e-commerce business where you can buy from Babylist as a retailer. And then we recently launched a health business where you can get products for free through insurance and Babylist helps you figure out what products you can get for free. What's your process in choosing what products, what services go on the site? Um, we have maybe kind of two different teams that vet the products and services, our editorial team and our merchandising team. And they're just really in touch with the user. So they talk to users. They look at our user data. Last year, we drove over $900 million in GMV. We had 9 million people purchase from the platform. So we have a ton of people engaging with us, telling us what products they want. And that helps us kind of source, buy, and vet products. How do you get that feedback loop? Is there like a chat or... Is it a forum? Like, what? how do you hear back from the customer? So so one part of it is just like having the insights from all the different retailers we work with in our own retail data. And on the platform, people say, I purchased this product. So we know what people are actually doing. Um, and in, term, in terms of consumer feedback, we have a, a few different mechanisms at the company. One is that every quarter at our company, All Hands, we invite six or seven of our users. So expecting parents to come. And anybody at the company can ask them any questions. And so there's like constant engagement with the customers. We have a feedback channel in Slack where people are sharing. I heard this, somebody made this comment on TikTok. Somebody sent this email to our CS. So like everybody at the company kind of sees like the pulse of the customer. And then once a month, a woman on our UXR team sends an email to the whole company about what we're learning from our NPS surveys. And we have those for the registry and our health business and kind of what are people liking and not liking about the product. So there's kind of a constant feedback loop. I would think that that's a huge differentiator 
it's sort of the modern e-commerce way, whereas before it was just one-way communication. This yeah. is such a new kind of way to go about servicing your customers. Yeah. We think of ourselves as an audience company more than anything else, where we are like, we know anybody who has a baby in their life, which is a lot of people, is our customer. And so let's, do, let's talk to our customer about them and who they want. And we say that more than like, we're an e-commerce company or, you know, we're a media company. It's really about, this is our audience. We know them. We love them. We serve them. That's very interesting. I haven't heard the term audience company before, uh -huh. but I think that it's a perfect representation of sort of the engagement piece of that. And yeah, exactly. I think like Chewy to me is another audience company. It came up for us when years ago. We were looking to expand the business. I actually wasn't even there yet, but they were having the conversation around, are we this like technology company that helps people make lists and therefore we can go into wedding registries and like other types of like wish lists, or are we a company that just serves this audience and we can do more for this audience? And we felt like, especially for this life stage of having a baby in your life, it's so different than every other life stage. And so that was our core and like understanding, know the audience, and then you can build different business models and revenue streams and, and tools for that audience rather than like we're, we're a platform or a tool that you could apply to every audience. Interesting. Can we pivot to talk a little bit about either machine learning or AI uh -huh. or both? Sure. I'm actually speaking on a panel about AI in 30 minutes. So this is good prep for me. So. I'm, I'm really interested in the power of AI. I started playing around with ChatGPT late last year, early this year. And as a company, we're really embracing it. So we did, I talked about our company All Hands earlier. My, the VP of engineering and I did a company All Hands just dedicated to ChatGPT about four months ago. And the goal of it wasn't to say, hey guys, like this is the tool that the social media team is gonna be using. Like these are the requirements. We really wanted to just like normalize the use of ChatGPT, train everybody at the company, whether they're in customer service or accounting or supply chain on what ChatGPT and AI are. And then like we did, we talked to them about that. We did breakout groups and we said, everybody needs to create an account, ask ChatGPT a couple of prompts related to your, your role. And then like, if you like it, keep using it. If you don't, don't use it. And we've seen like a lot of people at the company embrace it for like, I think some really interesting things. We have a Slack channel about ChatGPT. So our engineers will say, oh, hey, I was stuck in this problem and I use ChatGPT for X. Or our email team said, I did a A-B test of subject lines, our editor versus ChatGPT. And one time ChatGPT won and one time our editor won. So people are just kind of like using it in small ways throughout their day. And like, I know there's fancier, bigger ways for people to say like, oh, I have an AI company or like my search is powered by, by AI. But for us, it's like, let's just see what the team uses it for and then go from there. So you're using it, you, you, you pulled, you allowed the team to use it as a productivity tool, yep. as a creativity tool, yep. relying on humans to just sort of engage with it and enhance their contributions. Yeah. yeah. It feels it's like, let's empower them and say, hey, we want you to know about this tool. It's just like, to me, Google searched 20 years ago. It's going to give you more information. It's going to give you maybe some inspiration. It'll help you out. It's like your buddy, your co-pilot, your assistant. See what it gives you. And people came up with some interesting things. It's what, somebody was like, I have to write a hard email to a vendor. I've been putting it off. And so they had ChatGPT chat, chat write that email for them. Uh, so it's been fun to just kind of see uh, like 
what can they use it for? It's an emerging technology. We're trying out it out for some other things, but the big thing is like everybody at the company now knows I can and should use this. So like play around with it. Okay, sounds good. Now talk to us about your inbound engagement. Mm -hmm. I see that you have I think a million followers on TikTok. Is that yep. is that right? Yep. Yeah, I saw that. Um, and so are you also, so we have that yep. and then also email outreach. I hear email is still very powerful in bringing yep. in people. So how do you see percentage wise, the ways that people come to you? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with like, what's interesting and really, really difficult about our business is we have to find new customers every year because our customers have to be pregnant. Right. And so we don't have a lot of commerce companies and media companies are like, oh, I want people to. And like my lifetime value is over five years, I'll acquire them and then they'll pay off. Ours is like three months or, you know, it's like very quick. We have from three months, from when they're three months pregnant to like eight months pregnant to get them to sign up. Uh, and so we, we have to be like really targeted around who our user is. So I think our, maybe our approach is very, would, would or could be very different than any other um, company. The, the thing with that too, is we have to, be like increasingly relevant to a younger and younger audience because people who are pregnant are coming from different it's like obvious but from different generations um so gen z is starting to get pregnant so we said oh we need to be where gen z is and we made a big bet on tiktok uh, we have over, over a million followers tons of views um we're not just the leading baby brand on tiktok we're like a leading consumer brand we're bigger than glossier and chewy and like all these other brands so that was a bet in like not that it's going to drive a lot of customers today, but that we have to have that presence because our audience in five years is going to be there. But then outside of that, the channels that work with, for us, I think are pretty traditional. We, we rely on search, both SEO and, and paid. Email's a good channel for us. Meta, like social, Pinterest, et cetera. Maybe the other interesting thing that's different for us is I mentioned we're an audience company and especially with, uh, you know, more kind of, privacy concerns, it's harder to find an audience through a big platform. So we work with a number of smaller media companies who, who kind of engage with our audience and we do partnerships with them. So actually on the other side of our business, a lot of brands come to us and say, I want to meet reach expecting parents. I can't do it on Facebook anymore. And we're like, great, we have them. Like we'll send a dedicated email for you. We'll do a content post for you. Cause it's so hard to find really niche audiences and like pregnant people are one of those. Oh, you're a great solution for that. Yeah. What about professional arrangements? Like with doctor's offices, uh -huh. a flyer in an, in a, in a doctor's office or something. Have you pursued that or is that a privacy issue? So last fall we launched a new business called Babyless Health. And that's a way for our consumers to come to Babyless, which is a brand they trust, a site they visit already and figure out what products they get, can get for free through insurance. So everyone can get a free breast pump and everyone who's pregnant can get a free, free breast pump. And that's amazing for people, whether they're breastfeeding or going back to work or whatever. So we give them the tools, we guide them on what breast pump to get, but we also help process their insurance information. And so with this new uh, business, we're talking more and more with insurance companies, with provider networks, and they so far really liked the babyless health offering because we are able to not just give people, okay, here's your breast pump. We have a really high NPS score on that business. I think it's 80 plus. And if you've ever done anything with insurance, <laughs> that's like, that's impressive. And then we also have a ton of content. So support on how to breastfeed and pumping and how to choose your breast pump. 
That's really great. Thanks. That's really, really great. How do you use, or do you use, I should say, user-generated content? Because I would think, whether it's influencers or just really mostly everyday people who are really enjoying the exchange of information, yeah. do you engage with, particularly, do you seek out and engage with creators? Yeah, so we, I keep talking about our consumer, but that's really where we start with everything. The consumer of becoming pregnant or, or becoming a parent is like, maybe one of the most social proof or like social connection based moments people are saying i've never been a mom before i have to text my best friend or you know my my older sister because i don't know what's going on with my body or what products i need everybody looks at their friends registry determined like there's just a lot of social validation and storytelling needed and so while they trust the babyless voice i think they maybe trust each other even more so ugc and like real people is a big part of our strategy we use it on and social a lot. So a lot of our TikToks and Instagram is reposting real stories. A lot of our ads are real stories. And so we're, we're always kind of seeking out great creators on social and pinging them and say, hey, can we repost you? Can we give you the visibility? Can we tell your story? And then we've started working a little bit more with influencers as well. And that's that's been for like a couple months and that's working well too. So are you, are you in the business of working with an agency or actually in using some of your budget for influencers and creators? Yep, exactly. So okay. we just started doing that a couple months ago okay. um, and we're really going to double down on that this fall too. Cause I, I mentioned to you earlier when you're chatting, we're opening our first showroom in LA next month. And so having creators come in is a key part of that strategy to either pick out their baby registry products, have a baby shower, film a TikTok. We ha- we're creating this kind of like whole studio where they can play around and have a good time. Let's spend a little time on, on this upcoming showroom. Yeah. You specifically called it a showroom, which I was like, oh, wait, why isn't it more of a store platform? And you went on to explain that you're there for information yep. and gathering the and conveying information to the audience. So let's 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 go down that path a little bit. Yeah. So. I think it's been interesting. I mean, you, you and I have been in e-commerce for a while, maybe I don't know, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, people opened a store to drive sales within that store. And they're like, what are our dollars per square foot? And that's how we're going to measure success of a retail footprint. And then I think people started to understand like, oh, this storefront is a marketing engine. Now, you know, I'm on Fifth Ave in New York and now people know that Bonobos exists or Allbirds exists. I can measure the success of the store, not just by the purchases in the store, but people walking by and people coming in and trying on the shoes and then buying it online. So we are investing in a physical location as really this like brand building moment and like this content studio. And I think that's what we're seeing more and more retailers do. And then for us specifically, our audience, uh, our core audience of expecting parents they tell us they spend 40 hours building their registry. So that's just so much research time where they're saying, you know, what what categories do I need? I know that I need a stroller, which stroller is best for me? And do I need a travel stroller and a double stroller? And there's just like this, all these new products to discover. And historically they'd done this in our app. They'd put their feet up, you know, put their slippers on, as you said, and just kind of scroll through our, our content and all that. And we know they, they want more than that. And so we said in our physical experience, we're going to help them with that product discovery, help them build their registry in real life. They can push the stroller on our stroller track, all of that. 
but the main goal is not okay i need to walk I, we, we don't want them to walk out there of there with thousands of dollars worth of product it's really about are they engaging are they adding it to their registry on the app are they having a good time what's our yes for are they posting on social while they're there are they help building our brand and enjoying their experience how are you deciding the thing about physical is there's only so much space. Yeah. You don't have that endless <laughs> yeah. capability. So how are you deciding what products to bring in and what's the rotation strategy or how yeah. will you handle the in-store physical piece of it? It's such a great question. It's small and some of our products are big, like cribs, <laughs> strollers, car seats, and, you know, not, sometimes not visually appealing. So it's been a challenge to figure it out. The space we got is beautiful. It's 18,000 square feet. So it's not small. It's a, it's a big spot, but we've run out of space already, not surprisingly. So we first kind of started with, like, what's the user journey we want people to go on? And then we worked with both our merchandising team and our partnerships team because we have partners who are paying for placements in the space and figured out kind of how many slots do we have and what products are we going to show in there. Because our business is it's very evergreen, like, we it's not a product launches aren't a big thing for us in a way that they are in fashion. Seasonal products are not a big thing. It's really, so we're kind of lucky in that like the refresh strategy isn't that important because there's been top strollers that have lasted, you know, they've been top strollers for five years. So there might be a slightly new model, but there's not like kind of a huge change in the industry quarter to quarter or season to season. What if something's not really, I mean, the way you use, you track engagement digitally yeah in the store something might not really get the touch touches that you expect do you have the flexibility to say all right you know what we're gonna rotate this because we really we're here to serve yeah exactly so we that's the cool thing about the way that we're measuring engagement we have qr codes next to every single product so thousands of qr codes and allows people to take their baby less app scan it into their registry so we're going to be able to track engagement digitally and say, oh, wow, people are, they're really obsessed with this one monitor. They're, they're searching it. They're clicking on it. They're into the registry and engaging with the whole section. Maybe people just like don't want to look at crib mattresses in person. Who knows? So we'll, we'll be refreshing like both individual products and categories based on digital data. When does it open? Mid-August. Wow. Soon. Yeah. All right, so that's your your short-term major investment. Uh-huh. What's beyond that? Tell us about the future for Babylist. The future for Babylist, I, I would say, is like a couple really exciting, well, three really exciting things. One is we're a media business. Last year, we did about $300 million in revenue. A lot of that is from our e-commerce business. But we also have this kind of thriving media engine as well. And I think more and more retailers are investing in retail media networks. So media is one of our kind of top company strategies. And the goals of media are to like really just touch every expecting parent, new parent, and their friends and family. And so that means investing more in TikTok and in video. We launched, we also acquired a company called Expectful, and we are building that into a standalone media property for anyone on the expecting journey. So that's trying to conceive early pregnancy. And so our goal with that is to really build this like health and wellness brand. More mom focused. Yep. More mom focused. Thing focused. Yep. And more about like if Babyless is like the stuff you need, really products for focus. The Expectful, your point is like, well, what about Babyless is about products and baby. Expectful is about mom and mind and body. Becoming a mom is a really exciting period of time. It also can be incredibly stressful and isolating. 
and mental health is like more a topic that people are talking about more and more. And there's not, we think like this amazing resource that Expectful could be for like that life stage. So media is huge for us, creating great content, investing in great content and just supporting people on their journey. And then the second thing we're doing is really expanding into the health business, really supporting like insurance and FSA, HSA can be complicated. So how do we use our user-focused, our consumer expertise, our technology to support people on the journey? And then the last is there's been, in our industry, a lot of changes. Bed Bath & Beyond filed for bankruptcy a couple months ago, and they own Bye Bye Baby, which was the largest national baby retailer. And they've since you know processed the bankruptcy. So there's kind of this white space in the market for baby products on the e-commerce side. So we're, we're really looking to support users as shop for baby products online and really offer a curated shopping experience. So in a way, it's an opportunity for you. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Just a quick question about Expectful. Yeah. Does the, does the user still go to Expectful or is it Expectful by baby list or is it baby list and then an Expectful tab? What's the journey? It's going to be a standalone brand. Okay. So it'll have its own TikTok page or it does have its own TikTok, it has its own websites. It'll have its own email list. So we wanted it to be for kind of a variety of reasons. One of them is Expectful can be about trying to conceive and baby loss, which is a miscarriages are a very common thing that happened to people and to, to pregnancies and having a the company, having the word baby be in the, in the name you're engaging with. If you're, if you just lost your baby can be really triggering. So we wanted to be a standalone brand that can really just like support anyone, no matter where they are on the journey. But we will, you know, the be clear in the about us page and some of the communications that Babylist does. Great. Well, I want to thank you, Leanne. This is a great discussion about what types of services are available for people on these journeys. And I think Babylist is doing an amazing job. Thank you so much. It was really fun to chat it's with my you. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.